Cause you're looking crafty. You could make a raft out of pencils and foam. You sure looking happy. Welcome to the Stitchcraft Podcast. Hello. I'm Island. I'm Miranda. And we're related. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm related to a lot of people, but we're sisters. <laughs> I was going to say, well, we are definitely related to a lot of people. <laughs> There's, I don't think we've ever times. talked about that on the podcast before, but our dad was oh. the eldest of like 13 and our mom mm-hmm. was the youngest of eight. So when we say yeah. we're related to a lot of people, it's like a lot of people. Well, and like one side, one side loved bars and owned bars, worked in bars and then the other half, um, real religious. Both are really prolific. Um, you know, there are different readers. reasons. <laughs> There's different reasons for the uh, fecundity, but <laughs> it's similar on both sides. Excellent five dollar word. You're turning into our mother in no time flat. Um, I'm just kidding. I love mom's five dollar words, but she's also the reason I can't play words with friends anymore because I've never been more angry in my life <laughs> than playing with a one, someone with a great vocabulary two, a cheater. Oh. And we all know Linda Williams cheats and we cheats. love her to death. Cheats. Cheats like the youngest of a family of eight would. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Absolutely. But, um, yes. So we are sisters of the stitch Grab podcast and we've been doing this a while and we're not doing it very regularly because what is time? Who you know, <laughs> life happens. Life gets busy. It's, I decide to true. do other things with my time. You know, you know, I get that. I get that. I also uh, really appreciate, you know, working a job, yes. paying for things with money from job and, um, you know, keeping that job. It's real nice. So yes. there's there's things with that. And uh now, when we do our podcast, I hope it's for the most of the best reasons, which is Valentine's Day being yes. one of the family's favorite holidays. Sorry, go- small golf clap <laughs> that I realized that someone could hear. Yes. Well, so, so we are recording this on February 7th in anticipation of the, the holiday that is for friends, not lovers, Valentine's Day in one week. It is... Absolutely. We say it every year that we do it because we've actually done a podcast every year for Valentine's Day that we've been doing it. Um, But yeah, it's a great day to show love to everybody and not just the one because also, P.S., there's more than the one. (laughs) (laughs) Get used to that real quick. (laughs) Um, But uh, yeah, it's a big holiday that we love. Um, I also am really enjoying that the longer you and I have been... um, the longer. That doesn't make any sense. I'm going to try this word again. Um, as long as we've been doing this podcast, I have been enjoying seeing that retailers and people and friends, like, especially with Valentine's Day, like the day before, I guess, is that the day before? Yes, yeah, February uh, 13th. Yep. Valentine's Day. I definitely almost said Thanksgiving, but yes, because <laughs> you want to be thankful for the girls in your life. Yeah. Um, but I just feel like everyone's kind of catching on that Valentine's Day doesn't need to be so like flowers and chocolate for one person and can be more like flowers and hugs and jokes and funny things for everybody. So I'm into it. Yeah. Bringing it back to the Valentine's day of our childhoods where you would like give people candies and little cards that said you appreciate them, except that now we can afford to give people candies that aren't basically pool chalk, right? Like we can do, we can, we can step it up just a smidge. We love you so much that we're not going to dry your mouth out um, 
and then make you cough and hack and then need a couple glasses of water and just say, just a minute, just a minute the whole time that you're coughing, we could give you like nice things now. Yeah. And we all know that the, like those, um, I guess what, are, what do they call them? Sweethearts, but they were barely, well, they were all sugar, but not anything else. Um, I swear they made those once a year along with all the Necco waivers and they just waited. They just waited for the holiday to happen, but they were stale from the start. Yes. So <laughs> I personally feel like um, candy has improved. Candy well, and Valentine's in general. So I will say that there um, is a shop in Ann Arbor. I think it's still there called By the Pound and it is a bulk food store. And they had sweethearts where the hearts were different flavors. It was still the same um, idea. Like it was like a little sugar heart, same size and everything with a little saying printed on it, but they weren't stale and they were in different flavors. And I have no idea where they got those from. I've never been able to find them anyplace else, but I love those. Like genuinely, but I also genuinely actually eat Necco wafers as if they are delicious candy. So I know I'm the weird one. I get that. I know that. I'm not going to act like I don't eat them too. Or I guess if they're still being made, who knows? Mm. I'm not really certain who owns that now. No. But also I like to think that the power of imagination gets you through those candies. <laughs> There's a number of things that I was like, I'm going to imagine this is grape. I'm going to imagine this is chocolate, you know, things like that. Um, well, I realize that you and I have both taken a sip because we can see each other, but yes. no one else knows what the fuck's going on. So what's in your cup? And then we can continue with our Valentine's discussion because drinks are also lovely on Valentine's Day. It's true. So I am having um, a drink that is uh, appropriate in color. It's a, a rosy hued beverage. It's actually a canned cocktail from um, Ann Arbor Distilling Company. So mom brought these when you guys came to visit in November. Mm. Um, so I think they make a couple different kinds of canned cocktails at Ann Arbor Distilling Company. This one is the Fuzzy Antenna, and it has Cute. a picture of a, a moth on it, which is lovely. Aww. Um, and their cocktail, their canned cocktails um, raise money for the um, Leslie Science and Nature Center, I think, which is a, a place in Ann Arbor. I'm trying to, yeah, Leslie Science and Nature Center, Nature Playscape is what the, the funds go toward. And so the um, Fuzzy Antenna is made with their fall gin. So Arbor Distilling Company makes four different gins one for each season, and it changes every year to go with the, you know, herbs and spices and things that they think are evocative of that particular season. So this is a fall one, which makes sense because we had it in November. Um, they're Water Hill Cherry Liqueur, Orange Juice and Orange Bitters. So it's, based, it's, it's gin and juice. That's gin and juice. I was like, pretty right. much. I was like, I was waiting for the next thing, and then I was like, okay, hard stop. Full, well, yeah, hard I mean, period. <laughs> it's, you know, it's fancied up I'm a sure little this... with the, the cherry liqueur, which, yes. you know, if you're from Michigan, like, cherries are the thing. So their cherry liqueur is very nice, made with very good cherries. And the orange bitters, of course, adds some complexity to it. But fundamentally, it's a churched-up gin and juice. I, uh, I'm a fan. I like that. I am, too. <laughs> I also love that you've been holding on to that for a while because my drink is also something that's being held on to for quite some time. This might be historically Ooh. significant. <laughs> um, 
but I didn't see a Best Buy date. Oh, maybe. Oh, yeah, I should have had this in November. But <laughs> um, I'm actually having something that you let me take home uh, a couple months ago or so. It's a uh, Untitled Art. It's the Florida Vice or Weiss. Weiss? I think it's Vice. Uh, Vice. Um, anyways, uh, I've been kind of like slowly drinking these because I do realize I can buy them here in Minnesota because mm-hmm. they're originally from Wisconsin. Yes. But because it's not alcoholic, you can have them shipped anywhere. But yep. also, I know that a number of places around here sell it. I just, you know, when you live near a liquor store, like I do in my backyard, you don't really venture very far sometimes. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so I kind of, I've been enjoying this one. I actually, uh, obviously, I love having a nice adult beverage or two during this show normally. But I got to work after this. Plus, I did a, like, sauna cold plunge steam room thing this afternoon and I don't play with dehydration yeah mama needs some water (laughs) yeah so I'm having my non-alcoholic uh beer from untitled art and then I also have my Gatorade ready because who's got low blood pressure it's me so (laughs) one must prepare (laughs) all the things that uh, I need to keep back get back what I need um I do yeah. really love those untitled art non-alcoholic beers. So Pat and I have tried a non-alcoholic beer from a lot of different places. And I think the place that certainly has the, the broadest variety and is like trying the most new things all the time that we've discovered is Brewdog out of uh, Columbus, mm. Ohio. Definitely. I yes. will say, though, I think the ones like untitled art always gets it right so they're non-alcoholic beers i have never had one where i was like oh i don't know like they are all uniformly good you do pay for it right like when you buy it it's not cheaper than a beer it's the price of beer it's the price of beer yeah if you're for shipping and stuff yeah or if you're getting like they make a um like a lychee milkshake sour like that's got a lot of expensive ingredients in it like it's gonna cost you money but it is gonna enjoy it yeah yeah, you're gonna enjoy it it is delicious it does taste like what they say it is um yeah so it's a a really nice alternative plus like the art on the cans is really nice i was just gonna say i was like let's be real these aren't no dumb cans these are beautiful they even say who the artist is like loudly and proudly so you can find out who it is like i cut you off but i'm in total agreement that's why i'm yelling with you (laughs) um but it's also like um i've had a couple other brands of non-alcoholic beers here um for just a number of friends who are just like not like choosing the sober life for any other reason other than just like they don't feel good anymore (laughs) so like i feel really weirdly proud of offering an untitled art beer non-alcoholic beer to someone because I feel like not a lot of people know about it and they should and I want to like spread the word but also like it's not what you expect I think a lot of people are surprised it's not a compromise it's not a compromise yeah it's not a compromise at all and I think that's it gets people a little while to get over the hurdle like is this going to be what I think it is and I was like I think they'd be even more surprised and I think is it athletic beer Mm mm-hmm it's also pretty good. Yep. Um, and they have more traditional flavors yeah. um, as far as like if you're someone who really likes a Pilsner or something like that. But um, and I think that's way better than like the N.A.'s done by the really large 
um, like Budweiser or yeah. um, Miller and stuff like that. So I, I would like athletic beer if like you're at a game or something, that would be delicious. But um, yeah, I feel like Untitled Art makes a much more interesting conversation. And also I think it kind of like, I don't know, it kind of takes people away from like having to talk about stuff too if they don't want to, because mm-hmm. it looks like a pretty fancy can. Right, so. you, you are not declaring yourself as someone who is drinking only non-alcoholic beers and then people ask you why that is. Exactly, and I feel, and now that I'm watching this happen for a number of my friends, who are just choosing this because they want to, not because it's dry January last month or anything. Just like, I think everyone expected maybe someone like me to be like, what, you're not drinking? And in reality, I'm like, oh, cool, totally get it. And there's other, I've watched more other people like spin out around the change that I'm just like, guys, really? Like, let let this one go. It's up there with like when someone decides to not eat meat anymore, like, Everyone calm down. (laughs) Well, I I will say that I have heard something that I was surprised by. Um, So in December, um, Pat and I got a chance to hang out with some friends of ours uh, from Chicago. And one of them said that um, what he has been turned off by is the, you know, because anybody can ruin anything, right? The puritanism of people who have decided to stop drinking in a very very public way that they they like proselytize about it um and so when pat and i were talking pat and i uh bought some non-alcoholic beer while we were there and you know we offered people some and our friend was just like he just like made a face and i was like that seems weird from you like i wouldn't expect you to care what anybody does he's like i don't but i care that they want me to have feelings about what they are doing and that I'm supposed to go along with the thing that they want to do because they've decided that's the thing that they want to do. And I'm like, yeah, that, that's totally fair. Like, sort of, um, it's sort of like when people decide that they're going to, um, I don't know how to, like, not date around and only be monogamous and now everybody is supposed to be monogamous. It's like, just, fucking, just do the fucking thing you want to do and just be happy with the choice that you are making for you and do not make this about how someone else needs to validate your life choice. Right? Oh, yeah. I'm with you on that. And I honestly feel like it's it's been such a non-problem for me and my friend group that like going through that stuff, but other people just watching the like the periphery people they're like, "What?" And then and just the, the fact that it's even a discussion like, "Why?" And I'm like, you don't get to ask why it's not your business none of your business and also like people are pretty open if they'll tell you they'll i'm sure they'll tell you but like also like when you act like that you also just signal to people like maybe my being around me is not safe space for you right like you're just kind of signaling like and i'm like all right well you can even if that person doesn't want to be around you you might be signaling to your other friends who do drink that maybe you're just a problem in general so who knows but I don't know. I I feel like I've just been uh, oddly defensive of my friends who have decided this path. And mm. I, but so many, and you and I actually texted about this earlier, but a number of people are just saying like with long COVID, they're just not, their bodies just aren't acting the way they're used to. Mm. So it's been one of those things where like people are like limiting their caffeine, people are limiting um, their screen time, drink, like any of the things that can like knock their body off course everyone's kind of it's almost like an elimination diet of st- stimulus yeah <laughs> so yeah that's I can see putting that. it. that's a, that's a really really good way of putting it an elimination diet on various stimuli 
<laughs> thank you for using the correct word because I was like stimulus. Duh. It is. But, uh, <laughs> that's a correct word. <laughs> well, I'm saying stimuli. That's that's a little bit more accurate, right? Plural. I don't know. Again, that's I can't. Plural. I I can't play this game with mom, Dave, anybody. <laughs> me and I've never even had COVID, and I just have brain fog. So I just. <laughs> Well, we can talk forever because you and I we can. are sisters, and we do, and we and we do. But I thought we should probably just dive right into works in progress. Yes, I have a few, but I also know that you um, you've been busy, but you also have like some other things in your life too going on. It's true. Well, <laughs> um, I can tell you briefly um, things that I finished for uh, or things that I'm working on right now. Um, I am back to working on my um, Maya sweater, and I'm just going to pull it out to show you where I'm at. She's getting big. <laughs> so it's going to be a very oversized sweater. Which I'm a big fan of. Oh, that's beautiful. So Sorry, guys. I say that whenever <laughs> we're on a on the podcast like that's beautiful well I hope you believe me um no it's beautiful like the just your choice of yarns and how crisp the design is yeah so this very pretty this is a sweater that's in pom-pom quarterly issue 42 which is of course the answer to life the universe and everything (gasps) it's also my age yeah um (laughs) I'm gonna milk that for every minute that I'm 42 um and the um, hmm, I'm trying to figure out which of the designers this is, but base it, the designer is on Instagram as Bloom and Create, and the sweater basically is a two color color work sweater that has a sort of medallion motif at the bottom, and then as you go up, it almost is like bird wings kind of. Maybe the best way I can describe it. It's kind of like a soft herringbone, like a feather. Pattern. Yeah, yeah. It kind of remind me of feathers. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so um, the whole sweater is designed to be quite oversized, and um, the pattern is all over the body, and then the sleeves are one solid color. So, cool. um, and I chose it because I love the the pattern. I love the way the sweater looks when it's done. And also because I wanted to learn a new skill, which is steaking. So steaking is S-T-E-E-K. A steak is what you cut when you are steaking. But basically what you do is you do this a lot in kind of uh, Icelandic sweaters. And there are certain traditions of sweater making where you use steaks. So instead of... um, making a front panel, a back panel, and two sleeves, and then sewing them all together, you actually make a tube for the body. And then where you want the sleeves to go, you just cut your knitting. And then you pick up the stitches from around the place that you cut and knit the sleeve down. And the place that you cut is called a steek. And there are many ways of reinforcing the steek so that it doesn't unravel in weird ways that you don't want it to, but mostly it won't unravel because as we've discussed before, knitting only unravels in a certain direction. It doesn't unravel in the direction generally that you cut your steak in, and it doesn't unravel all that fast anyway. 
especially if you pick woolly yarns that have some kind of toothiness. Yeah. Yeah. That would make sense. Yeah. So I wanted to learn how to do that. And this sweater requires you to make sleeve steaks and a neck steak. So I'm going to have a lot of opportunity to try. I'm nervous. You are a risk taker. Dang. This is, that's, it's got to be a little, like, measure four times cut once, right? Mm. Not even a two and then a four. Like, well, <clears throat> I would, I would have to leave and come back the next day to cut it. I just, I don't know if I could do it. I will probably do something similar. Um, <laughs> so the, the way that, so I don't know if all sweaters have always been done this way, but the way that modern patterns that have steaks in them, they actually have an allotment um, in the pattern that's for just knitting the bit that you will cut and having enough stitches on either side that if it does unravel a little bit, you're still not getting into your main pattern. So the idea is in mine, um, the sweater has like a, you know, many motifs all the way around. Like I said, it's a very oversized sweater, but then you cast on for additional stitches where you want the steak to go. And I want to say there are like five or six steak stitches. So that means that at minimum, there will be two to three stitches on either side of the place that you cut. And it has to unravel quite a bit to unravel two or three stitches in that horizontal plane. So you probably won't have a problem. But the other thing is you you reinforce the edges, which you can do either through... um, you can, on a sewing machine, actually sew around the edge so that it won't unravel. You yeah, can stay stitch. Yeah. Yep. You can uh, crochet to make a little edge. Like almost like binding it off in some way. Kind of like that, except binding it before you even cut it. Right. Um, and okay. then the other Preventative. thing. Preventative. <laughs> yeah. If you have a nice woolly wool, you can't, that doesn't, um, that's not super washed. You can actually needle felt it. Like you can take one of those needle felters and just like, make felt all the way around the stitches so that it cannot unravel at all. And I'm not sure which of those things I'm going to do because the yarn is, the yarn that I'm using does include superwash wool. So I don't know if it will needle felt. And I also don't really want to change the tightness of those stitches. So I think what I'm going to do is I think I'm going to put in like a basting stitch as like my my lifeline <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then cut where I'm supposed to cut and then try to, f- cause what you're supposed to do is like you cut and that creates a little curled edge and then you're supposed to tack that curled edge down. And then once you do that, it's not going to unravel anymore. Um, and then you can take the basting stitch out too. So I, I might try one of those things, but I'm excited. I mean, you're either going to have a sweater with sleeves or you're going to have a really big oversized sweater vest. And yeah. either way, who's winning? You. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm ex- I'm excited for you to like, I don't think a lot of people willingly go out on a limb to be like, okay, I love this yarn. Because that's the other thing is like, knitting can be instant, instant gratification in a lot of ways. And it's a great calming ritual of things to do with your hands and you, I imagine you get attached to the yarn you pick. You get attached mm. to the pattern. You get attached to things. Absolutely. And so the idea of cutting it, like, what a, 
I, I don't want to say it's a Buddhist uh, principle of like nothing is real and all things go and whatever, but I'm just, that's really hard. It's really hard to be like, okay, time to cut and pray. Like, <laughs> yep. So good for you. <laughs> and, you know, it's something that knitters have been doing for centuries. So if, how hard can it be? If right? centuries of people have figured out how to let go of this, I can figure out how to let go of this too. And maybe it won't go well, and my life will not be over. Everything will still be fine, right? Up until this point, I haven't even cut any of the yarn as it is. So if it all goes to shit, I can still unravel the majority of it and have back what I put in, which you don't typically get in most things in life, right? Like, it'll be fine. That, That is a very resourceful smart way of thinking of it (laughs) all right so then the next thing i'm working on and i've (laughs) i've fucked these up so many times oh boy (laughs) talk about a thing that um really tests your willingness to uh keep trying this is these aren't even difficult this isn't even a difficult project. And that maybe that's part of the problem is that I keep in my brain, I'm like, this isn't hard. So of course I fuck it up. But what I'm making is I'm making socks for myself out of that um, self-striping yarn that I made. It's the same company that I made the self-striping socks for you out of um, called Which Dye I'm Mad. Right now. Oh, are you? Yep. Yeah, because <laughs> it's, it's, it's not super cold here today, but I just needed to like cozy up a bit after all of my things so anyways I that was it's just by chance I happen to be putting them on but nice yes so dye mad yarn yes dye mad yarn this is in their colorway fuck your binary and it's the um non-binary flag colors in a each color is a approximately two row stripe so they're nice little narrow stripes and I decided to make something called the pinstripe sock because I wanted something just a little more interesting than a plain stockinette sock. And I decided to do an afterthought heel with them, which basically means that I put in a piece of waste yarn where I wanted the heel to go. And then I, so I basically knit a tube, closed it all up. So it's like a tube sock. And now I'm going back in to do the heel. But when I tell you how many times I <laughs> fuck this up. So step one, make a sock. Check. Did that. Made the tube. The first time, the first um, sock that I made, you couldn't really mess it up because that's the first sock. You just have to make the second one to match the first one. That's where I started to fuck things up. I thought. So I made, I was almost done with my second sock. And I was like, there's something about that that's wrong. And I held it up to the first sock. The heels were in completely different places. I don't even know. I don't even know how I don't know. I mean, do you need me to get, you know, I have Grandma Marge's old knitting counter that she used to wear around her neck. If you want it, I'll send it to you. So you can go click, 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 and just make sure you got, oh, did I just talk shit to you? Was that like a knitter shit talk? I think it was. Yes. And (laughs) it wouldn't have saved me anyhow. Really? So and here's why did... here's why I think okay. that wouldn't have saved me. Because in order for the knitting counter to work, you have to use it. Oh, oh. I already so wasn't there... doing things that made any sense. Ah, there's your problem right there. Okay. Right? <laughs> so then I unraveled it, 
I unraveled the second sock. And then I, I, every few rows, I would check to make sure that I was putting the heel in the same location. I did on the second time, put it in the correct location, got all the way to the end of the sock, made my little toe. And then I went back and I was like, that heel doesn't go all the way across the sock. I didn't, I, I miscounted the number of stitches I was putting on scrap yarn for the heel. Oh, so that's why they were. So it's going to be a narrower sizes. heel. This is a new fuck up. This is a different fuck up from the first. Well, it's not even not yeah like the distance, the rows mm-hmm. versus you were saying like oh I just decided to give myself a thumb size heel yep. versus a giant's heel. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, well that sock <laughs> that sock is uh, gonna go in the corner and think about what it did, and I'm gonna work on the one that was the first one that I didn't mess up, except you messed. The- oh my girl, I when I tell you. <laughs> I put the heel in the correct spot. I put the correct number of stitches for the heel. I'm working on the heel right now. It'll be great. If you lay the sock flat, you can see that I twisted the toe. Oh no. Yeah, it's shape. It's wrong. I twisted, I don't even know how. I don't even know how. You are an extremely accomplished knitter and I'm not saying that just because you're my sister. I'm. Whenever I talk to my coworkers who are fashion designers, many people are really impressed with everything you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and that this is your calming activity, which is absolutely stressful to the rest of us. But also we're, we're being paid for that. So it happens. But do you think that this is a, like, have you had this kind of mistake before? Like, could it be just because it's a self-striping yarn, so it deceives your eye a bit? Or... Is it because you haven't worked with this in a while since you made the other socks, you know? Well, I'm just trying to think, like, what do you think might have happened? Because I feel like other people who are even not as accomplished as you would probably come across something like this, too. Yes. So one issue that I did have that's completely unrelated to all the things that I just talked about is that the second sock was much looser than the first one. And that was because I knit them at two different times in my life. So I'm guessing there was differences in like the humidity in the air, how Ooh. the uh, yarn was slipping over the needles, how tightly my hands were tensioning everything. So I was already thinking that I had to unravel the second one because it just didn't, size-wise, it, it was very obviously a different size. I actually had the same problem when I knitted those really thick mittens for you mm, from mm-hmm. the Malabrigo Rasta yarn. Yeah. I had pulled that from the center of the skein. And so the first mitten was a physical different size from the second mitten, even though everything was identical because of the tension. So I do think that contributed. But the other thing I think is just that I regard these as simple. I don't regard my sweater as simple. And I defy you to find a place where I messed up that color work. No, it looks beautiful. Right? Like that color work is perfect. And it's because I know that I have to pay attention to it and therefore I do. I still find it relaxing. It is still soothing to me to do it. It's just as soothing as the socks. But my brain says, you don't really have to pay attention to these socks. This is, this is easy. And they stripe themselves. Well, yeah. yes, and what's funny is the other thing I didn't mess up in the pinstripe sock pattern, you, in order to get the pinstripe effect, 
you slip one, the same stitch, you slip it every other row so that it kind of tightens together and makes this little pinstripe look. Mm -hmm. Never mess that up. So apparently- but that's the thing I think I have to pay attention to because it'll look which, weird I, if I don't. I, I find this fascinating. Like it is really, um, you know, you don't sit yourself down and have like a chit chat about, hey brain, this is what I need you to pay attention to. Mm -hmm. And please listen, because your brain's going to be like, yeah, okay, sure. What? Like, it's just, it's going to do what it's going to do, but it's just, that is really fascinating. And is... I have a, for the, our next segment, we'll, we will come back around to this idea. Interesting. But I'm holding on to one of my things uh, to talk about in our next segment. Excellent. What are well, you working on? Okay. Um, well, I kind of in theme... But so I, I, maybe this will be a good, like moving through to the next segment. I'm kind of, I, I keep reckoning. I keep having a reckoning of like, you own a lot of things. Mm. You own a lot of clothes. You buy a lot of things that you love even over a period of time. And now that I'm 40, I still have things that I've been wearing for 20 years. Oh, same. And I'm not throwing it away just because it's old, mm -hmm. but there are things that I've noticed like, wow, this thing breaks down faster than the thing that's 20 years old. And like, I have a pair of bike shorts. I don't even know how this is physically possible. <laughs> Cause those things shorts. got work. <laughs> they got work and I wore them at a different size. They're probably stretched out now, but they still stretch and I don't hear the dry rot. I don't know what it was, but I bought them at Kmart over 20 years ago when I first lived in Minneapolis and I would wear them underneath my skirts when I was biking to work. Mm -hmm. So I still love that pair and I still do like painting and like house projects and those things. But, you know, I'm just kind of recognizing like, you know, with the scale that clothing is created and the scale that we are peddled clothing, I just need to really like kind of hold on to what I have a little bit. So my theme, my idea, this since like starting the new year was basically to love what I already own. And so I've just been making a bigger effort to like mend things, um, cut things apart and reuse them for scraps if needed. Um, I look at all the quilting books I have and it's basically really smart crafters, really smart, you know, salvage artists. <laughs> so I'm just kind of like, this isn't so hard, Miranda. You don't need to buy these things. So first up, um, I bought a darning kit. I bought you a darning kit a long time ago. I Not used all those patches. Time. They are great. Oh, great. Well, and I think I might have also gotten you like a loom too, maybe? Yep. Yeah, okay. you got a, a trinkles, a little yeah. darning loom kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, like on a disc or something yep. like that. Um, so... It's based, that one is based off of something called a vintage speed weave. And I sense like, I continue to follow on Instagram, all these like mending plate people and influencers. I can't believe I'm following like mending influencers, but it's kind of important, you know, like you choose your own adventure. And if you're going to choose an algorithm, like pick one that you like, I guess, mm -hmm. but you're not going to have a of... no algorithm. It's going to be an yeah. algorithm. <laughs> might, you might as well feel what you want to see. <laughs> you don't get to opt out. <laughs> that is for certain. Um, so I decided to buy one along with like, it's kind of like a different mushroom cap. It's not a mushroom darning mushroom like you could put in socks, but it's a larger rounded one Surface. versus a flat one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just so you can have like bigger areas and I'm a bigger girl and you know, I just kind of need a little bit more space to work with. 
so that's coming. I actually ordered it from Ukraine, um, but I kind of thought like, I'm in no rush. These things still have holes and yeah. they'll wait until <laughs> I, like, what are they going to do? Walk away? No. So I'm kind of like, I can wait for this. And I thought, you know, if Etsy's a, a fairly decent place to buy these kinds of things. You can buy vintage Speedweave looms or you can buy like the versions I bought for you or like recreations. And these are kind of recreations, but I'm a big fan of woodworkers. So anybody who can like lathe something into something pretty, I'm in. So mm -hmm. send it away. So that's still shipping <laughs> at the moment. And I ordered that in like maybe end of December. Um, the other thing I got um, was, you know, 20 years in the making. I finally bought a serger. Um, Look at you. We were talking about that a couple months ago. I was like, I'm going to do it. And everyone's like, yeah, you should do it. You totally and then should I was do like, it. Yeah. And already, I, like the first night that I had it, that I could get it to operate, because that's a whole nother learning lesson, a whole lot of learning curves, um, took me right back to studio in fashion <laughs> school. That makes me really upset <laughs> that I'm like, why am I not number one? Why is this not working? Um, P.S. I was never number one. I just, I think just because you're the craftiest person in your home, like in your home friend group, doesn't mean you're shit anywhere else. So, but you know, the serger, I vowed to never use it, but I loved using it whenever it was threaded correctly at school. So I was like, oh, I want one so bad. Um, so yeah, I think we talked about it a while ago, but I went to Dr. Willie's, our local dude here in town that a lot of my friends go to to get like their sewing machines uh, maintained or fixed. He also does like sh knife sharpening and stuff. And this guy, Dr. Willie, um, as he says, he's Dr. Willie because he has a lot of patience. Waka waka, because slow life, right? Slow life, clean, you know, cleaning and fixing machines. Anyways, we talked right before Thanksgiving, and I saw a surgeon in his, in his uh, place. And I was like, oh, how much, you know, for this one? And he's like, you don't want that. And I'm like, why are you selling it? <laughs> and he was like, you don't want that. And I think he knew who I was based on the machines I brought to him to fix. And he was like, you need something that's never going to have electronical part, like electronic parts or something with a circuit board. Like he's like, this is all geared and, you know, belt driven kind of thing. So he repaired, a, a like, I think it's a Husky lock. Yeah. A Husky lock from like, I think like the mid nineties or something like that. It's four spools, but bless this man. He took two that were broken and cobbled the parts all together so that I could have one. And then he wouldn't let me pay for it until I could rethread it more than once and make oh, it work. That's really cute. Oh, it's real cute until I was there for 90 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> oh, and my favorite part, I'm there wearing like, you know, a sweater and jeans and he like hands me the long needle nose pliers at like bent needle nose pliers so I can thread through. And every time he's doing it, it's like a conductor leading a symphony. He is just like, mm, do, do, do. like you do it all with one hand almost. I'm like, I got it. Dr. Willie, I can no do problem. this. Yeah. Only been working on machines since the seventies um, before I was born. So what do I know? Anyways, I'm sitting there, the lights, I have all the, the light available to me. I have all the needle nose pliers in my hands. I'm just looking, pulling, doing everything, not getting the tension right, not getting it to loop. The My loopers on the bottom, ultimate nightmare. I even filmed this man. <laughs> I have two videos. Both are like, one is like five minutes long and then the other one is like 14 minutes long because he's like, oh, oh, yeah. 
oh, like he's making a bunch of noises. And I'm like, well, tell me more. Like, show me your ways, like your knowledge. No, he was just as frustrated. But oh, I, tr- I wanted to then watch them and then just do it again. No, I, all the smartest but oldest ladies showed up right when I was trying to learn how to do it. And they kept asking, oh, are you another worker here? Are you helping Dr. Willie fix machines? And I was like, I know it looks like I'm struggling here, but I'm actually, you know, or not struggling. It looks like I'm supposed to be here because I look very focused. I'm just an idiot. Like, that's that's really why I'm here. I He won't let me leave and he won't let me pay <laughs> until I get I it to operate. I can't move on. <laughs> really? And I... I, I, I only planned 30 minutes for that lesson and I was there 90 minutes and I was like, well, I guess I'm running errands another day because <laughs> I live here now. And he even said, like, after I finally got it to work and I, I bought it, um, he finally let me pay for it. <laughs> um, he was like, you know, I'm open on Saturday. Just show, come in and, and just practice. And I was like, I'm that much of a lost cause. <laughs> wow. Wow. Maybe he just wants to spend time with someone who knows, who appreciates these things. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. Because that man, I I loved getting to, like, listen in on it. I was, like, as I'm trying again and again, and every single time I'm like, ah, and I rip the threads out and, like, go right back through all the things. I his It was a nonstop stream of uh, really sweet older ladies coming in who know, who know best, who bring the machine. They're like, it doesn't reverse anymore. And this and this and this. And he's like, well, it looks like you unscrewed this, and those aren't the original screws. Where's those? And they're like oh, I just took it apart to see if I could fix it. And he's like, no. Like, he he could just tell when something was fudged with. He can tell when you put the wrong screw back. He could, I was just like, this man is a legend. And I enjoy listening. But I also love hearing extremely smart, talented sewers talk to a man who fixes their sewing machines. And it is a meeting of the minds. It's a whole lot of haggle, like, negotiation of what happened, what didn't happen. And is this as good as this machine or is it as good as that? And I was like, this is a whole world that I've never recognized was mm-hmm. there. And um, all those ladies love to flex too. They came in I right bet away. they do. I they came you? in, They some of them were getting driven in by their loved ones because they can't drive anymore. But the moment they show up and they see they're like, ready for that know, flex. They're ready to be like, oh, I used to have a trundle machine. And I was like, what's a trundle machine? And I look and they're pointing to those old singer machines that you'd have to like move your feet to like, you know, rock to get the motion right. They just wanted to flex on everything. They all had something to say about certain brands. I was like, is this my future? Is yes. this where I'm headed? Yes. But um, it is. It was, it was quite an experience. Um, but I, I, I'm rambling on only because the first thing I got to do that night after I get the machine home and I finish my work, I got to start putting pockets on my damn dresses because <gasps> oh it feels so good i oh the the inequality the delta <laughs> between the products that we are sold versus the products we deserve yes <laughs> crazy yes. so i got to put i have two dresses from asos i accidentally bought two because sometimes asos can be really cheap because it is fast fashion and stuff like that and i'm generally i sometimes forget that i might have looked at a style and added it again so I got two of the same black dress one time and both of them don't have pockets. So now I'm doubly angry about it. And <laughs> so I was like, well, if I mess up one, no big deal. But I, it already worked. I got to like, a serger is awesome because, you know, as it loops the sides and seals off the, the edge of something, it cuts and trims. So everything's nice and neat, fully wrapped. 
and because it's a serger, you, every seam stretches to a degree. So nothing I is like. I have a pair of pants. Oh. <laughs> they're they're like they're. It's so dumb. They are like pajama yoga pants. They're not pants I would ever wear outside of this house, but I want pockets in them so bad. So bring bad. them, bring them forth, and I will do my work. Um, but yeah, it's been really easy, and I'm just like, one, I will never buy something without pockets again. Pockets forever. Pockets forever. Only pockets. But, and I'm sure other people on here know I, I design kids' clothes, and pockets are real. I make sure that we we pay for those things because I effing care. But um, it's yeah, I just realized like some of the vintage pieces I have, some of the things I just bought because at the time I was more like I didn't have the resources I have now, and so I did trade down for a lot of stuff. And once you don't have pockets, or like I even have a hoodie. That it's not even a hoodie, it's a sweatshirt, but it's a crew neck sweatshirt. Generally speaking, those don't have pockets on it. But after the COVID, all I need, I need a rue pocket yes. on everything. Yes. I need a pocket everywhere. Cause Always. like, I also noticed that if I don't get to put my hands in my pockets, I then put my hands on my hips, like the wrists on my hips. And then my boyfriend calls me chicken wing. So I just, <laughs> I can't keep looking like I'm strutting all over the house because I don't know what to do with my hands. But... <laughs> do you know what that reminds me of? We just watched Talladega Nights not too long ago. And there's that part, like when Ricky Bobby start, first starts getting famous and he's doing interviews and he doesn't know what to do with his hands. And they keep he's like, like pushing his hands down. down. <laughs> It's seriously, it's a problem. Like, I don't know how to act in public anymore without pockets. When I don't, I also, like, <laughs> this is a long-winded thing, and I'll bring it up another time, but there's this really great um, comedian on YouTube who has a song about polyamory and about how it is just the absolute worst. And he makes fun, uh, I mean, also, whatever floats your boat, who cares? Like, if you're into polyamory, you should also have a good sense of humor. So, like, let's be real. But... He has, like, a line in his song about polyamory, about how, like, um, if you're, like, one of those nerds who likes to neg on women or other people, but then when you try to shove your hand in your pocket, your pocket rejects you. I was just like, <laughs> I feel like I'm always constantly looking for a pocket, and it just looks like I'm, I'm like, wiping crumbs off my shirt, <laughs> or that my pockets are rejecting me. Like, it's ridiculous, but it it matters, damn it. So, anyways, I'm on Operation apply pockets to everything I own and it's been great and I get to make them as big as I want I've learned a whole bunch of things in the process I also like so exciting. I, it's super exciting so those are my works in progress for that um I had a bunch of stuff for Christmas that I was working on but it has been um kind of like I don't know I I just since you know since our father passed I've just like become real real about my energy and like how much time and focus I have and I, I just lose steam sometimes. So. I sent my Christmas presents to my friends January 30th. Hey, that's... I finished that like it a... two weeks earlier. So I finished in January, but I finished two weeks earlier and I just didn't send them. You know... It is what it is. Isn't there, isn't there like an orthodox version of Christmas is later sometimes or Easter's later? I don't yes, know. Something and like also, <laughs> nobody <Who> cares. cares. <laughs> No, absolutely nobody, nobody cared. Yet. And I will throw out there that uh, in my uh, in my lab, for example, um, my grad school lab, my boss used to always throw a winter doldrums party. He never threw a holiday party. 
he would throw a party at the end of January or usually in the middle of February because that's when everybody is bumming out. It's when they need it. Yeah. So nobody seemed to mind. And in fact, I got multiple messages that were like, oh, you know, today was a rough day, but I got your package today. Oh, you know, that's awesome. Well, I have to add. I didn't work on this, but you worked on this. And maybe we discussed it in a previous episode, but um, I decided to start sharing my sauna that I had me and my friends helped build um, in my garage a while ago. I started to um, offer standing Thursday sauna sessions. I did not know that. And also I'm very jealous. I don't live in Minneapolis right now. (laughs) It's well, our cousin, our cousin Maggie, she's my unofficial coast uh, co-host. So she's, she's like, She's like, see you Thursday, see you Thursday. I'm like, yes, girl, yes. But something that you made for us, and I say us as in the community, was you made us some incredible wool hats um, for sauna hats because 100% wool is really protective of your ears and your hair. Um, And you know what? Everyone could deserve a little bit more care for their hair. Like, Mm -hmm. in general, you should hold on to what you got. Don't fry it if you can help it, you know? So you actually made some beautiful hats with a little bit of ear coverage and they're, they, uh, they lay a lot lower on the neck. Um, and they fit, you did different tensions and sizes a bit and they fit so many different heads. It's great. So, um, already they've been greatly enjoyed. So yeah. I feel like you didn't bring up that work in progress, but I it's didn't. not work. It's a finished, but well, and I, I, I still have hunter, some sorry. yarn that I want to use to make those. So the, for anybody who's interested in this, these are not marketed as sauna hats, but wow, do they look like sauna hats. Uh, it is the Pearl Soho um, garter stitch ear flap hat. It's kind of a mouthful, but if you just go to the, if you just literally Google Pearl Soho, it's a shop in New York City, they have a bunch of free patterns. If you Google Pearl Soho garter ear flap, you'll come up with this hat. And they have kind of like an elfin top. And you can make the top more or less elfin if you want to. But I I made one for myself just out of uh, yarn just for me. Um, and I, it is my favorite um, cold weather hat for that exact reason. The ear flaps cover your ears, but it doesn't look like I have no problem with a Stormy Cromer hat, but that's not what it looks like, right? Like it doesn't look like an Elmer Fudd hat. It just looks like you have a fabric that covers the back of your neck and your ears. And then it comes up high enough that it, you know, does not cover your face. And then it just kind of goes up to a little point. And I softened the point at the top of mine a little bit, but you don't have to. They're great. And honestly, because they're longer, I can shove my hair up into them. But also, again, people aren't like getting as much, you know, heat on their necks. It allows you to stay in the sauna longer because it's self-regulating to a degree, like having wool. And Maggie and I even went to the sauna village of the great Northern festival. I don't know. It's, there's a, there's a place here in town called Malcolm Yards and they have a sauna village right now. Um, and they tell you to, you know, come with the basics, a swimsuit, a, a robe, if you have it or a towel, flip flops. Um, but I was like, Maggie, you want a sauna hat? She's like, yeah, bring it. And we got so many compliments oh. just because people are like, they're like, Oh, where did you get that? Or is that? And I was like, Oh, my sister made them. They're like, your sister made them. And I was like, yeah. And both me and Maggie were just like, we got to, we even got to go in the cold plunge. We wore them into the cold plunge uh, baths and everything. And I just, they're, you don't realize how nice they are 
until you're wearing them and you're just like, oh, I can hang out here a little longer. I don't have all the sweat dripping in my face. Um, and that and- wool, like when we were growing up, I didn't appreciate this. Our, our parents tried to tell us this and I did not appreciate it because we were of the generation that was like this, probably the second generation that really had a lot of synthetic fabrics and we were sold that synthetic yeah. fabrics were like perfect for everything. You can wash them in the washer and dryer, like yeah. which you really shouldn't either. But, um, but yeah, they they said that it's true. But wool is amazing at how wet it can get without feeling wet. Like without, so like you can sweat in the hat, and you do not feel disgusting. It does not feel like you're wearing like a wet sopping garment on you. It can take the steam from the sauna. It does not weigh a lot. It's a it it kind of. Seems Magic. to defy physics. <laughs> like, if it absorbs that much water, water has weight to it. Why does it feel like this? But it do- it really is nice. It's excellent. And, like, even going into those, like, plunge tanks and things like that, it's just, even the edges, you'd think, oh, this, oh, crap, I got the edge of the hat wet while I was, like, dunking myself or something. And they just, they were fine. I was like, my hair was wet, but the hat really wasn't that wet. It was so, it was kind of wild. But um, it's they've been really really great so thank you for making those because they've been in use oh good i'm so glad yeah so those are my works in progress and also like obviously winter doldrums can be fixed by many winter activities like sauna um but yeah i'm i'm ready to move on to the next one our next uh, topic but i just realized i was like oh kind of rambling here yes well let's let's move on to our favorite holiday or one of our favorite holidays I should say Valentine's Day yes please okay do you want me to start or would you like to start Mm, how about you start okay so Valentine ideas Mm -hmm. so I'll just tell you what mine is because anybody who listens to this they're probably gonna get one um including you Victoria I try to mail them to you every year in New Zealand (laughs) I got it'll (laughs) arrive in March or April but hey it'll get there hey Valentine's Day is eternal. It's every day, okay? Um, But this year, I decided to kind of, like, really take a step back from all the amount of trash I have and waste products that are made uh, just to ship things to me and do things. So I actually am... I feel like my dentures are whistling. Sorry if you guys heard that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have dentures, by the way, but my teeth decided to whistle. Um, So I decided to use a lot of my mail and um, other paper goods that come with stuff. And I'm punching out using little like hole punches, like circular ones and uh, oval ones to make sustainable googly eyes. So I've... (laughs) It's kind of funny. (laughs) But like, I love googly eyes. I used to put them like on things around my house. I had big ones on my fridge for the long time. But... Googly eyes are not very sustainable. They're mm-hmm. plastic, and especially if you get the smallest ones, they're plastic domes, plastic bits, the little black bits or around for the, you know, the Google, the googly eye part. And then the backing is also plastic. Yeah. Um, and it's just one of those things where like, you can't ever recycle it. It's too small to be picked up by an optic recycler at a standard place. They're also, it's a mixing of clear white and black plastic. So it's just like, not the fun is great. And, yeah, it's, the fun is great for the moment, but you know they're going to fall off, too, mm-hmm. right? So, like, what I really like is eyes. I like funny cartoon eyes on things. That's what we're really going for here. Yes. So, by using a lot of my mail, sorry, family cards from people. I didn't keep anyone's faces in there, so you should be fine. But 
a lot of those cardstocks are so nice. Mm -hmm. So using them as like the background for the white eyes, and then I've been using any other dark color I have for, you know, the irises. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the what I've been doing. But I have a couple different. I'm sending out everybody a little like it's like a tiny little envelope. Um, it's and I've cr I've learned how to create a little like self-contained petal envelope. So I've learned a lot along the way. I bet but, you did. Because you know I love a good craft. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I have like a couple of those. I also, like besides having like round cookie monster shape eyes, but I also have like the side eye emoji, like the oval ones yes, that are like yes. staring real hard. Um, and I even did some hard eyes ones too. So I'm kind of sending out these to people because who doesn't love like holding them up in front of your dog? Or your husband, or a loved one. Or I a love plant. the idea of just putting them on your fridge. I thought that was a really cute yeah. idea when you did that. I just love like a good. I've seen good people side also eye. put them on like their um, plants and the leaves oh, on their plants. Put them on the put them on your plants. I knew someone who put it on his uh, CNC cutter, mm -hmm. so that like as the head was moving around, they would Google around. But like, they're still funny if they're not moving. You know, like as long as they're just like silly eyes. So. Um, yeah, I've, so I've been cutting and gluing a lot these last couple weeks, but that's my big one. Um, so I would say like my theme in general is upcycling. Uh -huh. So, so that's my personal Valentine for this year. Um, and folks know I do like 200 Valentines a year, so yeah, it's been a lot, a lot of work. Yes, it's a lot of I, work. I, I go big, but also who doesn't want a Valentine? Um, and then the other thing I've been thinking about is, like, if you want to give something to those near and dear, if you are a crafty person, a valentine to mend something for somebody. Like, help me love your things. Like, mm -hmm. I'll help you love your things if you let me give some TLC to your stuff. I think, like, it's almost like a coupon, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you'd be like, a free, a free sewing on a button, of loose button, or mending of holes and things like that. I just feel like if you're a crafty person with skills... You don't need to buy a whole lot of things to show affection or care to people. And I think there's a lot of people out there who are not inclined. And so it's a very uh, welcome gift to be like, I can help you fix that. You know, well, I especially think that there are a lot of people who have things that when they they develop a, a hole or something starts to wear or whatever, they would like to be able to repair it. But like if you have three kids at home and a full time job, like that's not going to happen. It's just yeah. really, really hard. And I've seen some things on Instagram where people are like, we should create a mending culture so that people can have entire careers out of mending. Yes, we absolutely should. Like we are losing, we have no generation of cobblers to fill the, the, the positions the, that are yeah. coming open, right? The first step to that is sort of on these individual levels, right? the people who have the capacity and the skill to do the mending that looks cool or looks invisible or whatever it is the person wants, giving that as a gift, now they've got something that's bespoke, that is the way that they want it to be. That's the first step in getting people to be excited about having a mending culture. I mean, and once people realize like their neighbor or someone that they just know can do something like that, I think you realize it's not as daunting. You know, like there's... I mean, so many generations before us have fixed things. So, and actually, um, Dave, my boyfriend and I, this coming weekend, we're going to go to a fix-it clinic here in Hennepin County because they have free fix-it clinics uh, that they hold uh, around 
town and this one's going to be at the Swedish Institute. So I think it's really cool that it's going to be at a place where like you can go see art or go and check out other things, but you can literally bring in things that need to be resoldered, things that need to be like, maybe you need a replacement part to be 3D printed. And basically people are showing up, like you have to get vetted to be a repair person, but they're looking for people to repair anything. Nice. Like if you know anything about small engines, if you know anything about wiring, do you know anything about um, how to get a, a thread, like a, uh, a worn screw, like a, I forgot what the word that is, like when you... A threadbare or... A threadbare, it's at the top of the screw when yeah, it like I know completely you... routed it out, but you know what I mean. But like people who know how to do that kind of stuff. So I think it's kind of a, a really interesting thing, but I wanted to like... Stripped. That's the word. Stripped. That's... The screw has been stripped. You need special tools to get it out. Hey, Alan, this is a PG show. Not. Yeah. No, it's not. Not at all. But, um, yeah, so it's just been on my mind a lot. And I feel like it makes me enjoy the things I have more. But I also love seeing how other people repair. I think, like, the ingenuity of that is so cool. Absolutely. Just to see how people have decided to, like, modify things, fix things. It's so those are my ideas for Valentine's Day because I'm like, what can you do that doesn't cost money? How can you not be a part of capitalism? <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Because capitalism doesn't always love you back, okay? Okay. It never does. It never it's, loves it's you. It's not about you. I mean, it, it's, it's not about, about you. you it's not, not about your community. It's not about no. your uh, fiber shed. It's not about your watershed. Yeah. It's not what it's about. So those are my free. Free to to almost free Valentine ideas. Nice. But yeah, what about you? How do you want to celebrate Valentine's Day? Or what are you excited about? So my ideas are not free, but I do have ideas that are um, increasing in cost. So I'll start with low and go to nice. elevated. So my first idea is actually not my idea. I actually saw this on the Lion Brand uh, website. No, uh, their YouTube channel. So Lion Brand had a little special clip on like a craft for Valentine's Day. And I was like, oh, yes, please. Click. Yes, please. And uh, <laughs> what they did was it, I feel really silly that I did not know you could do this, but they made heart-shaped pom-poms. First of I all, I didn't know you could do that. I didn't know you could do what? it either. Who doesn't love a heart? Who doesn't love a pom-pom? First of all, pom-pom can go on anything. Also, if you don't like a pom-pom, I'm not saying you might not have valid reasons that you might have some valid reasons. Maybe you have a thing with touch. It's a sensory thing. But for the most part, even from afar, pom-poms, fucking great. Delightful, Jesus. right? You can... The joy of life. Oh. The joy of fiber arts. And this is something that is fairly low cost, right? You could go to a Joann's or a Michael's and get a ball of yarn to make several pom-poms. And depending on the size of pom-pom you make, right, you can make lots or very few. So if you wanted to make... Um, a gift for many, many people and you didn't have a lot of money, you could just make like little tiny pom-poms. But essentially what you do, and I will uh, I would direct you to just like Google Lion Brand Heart Pom-Pom and you will find their tutorial. It's a video, it's very easy. So basically what they show you how to do is make a pom-pom. So you just make a regular old spherical pom-pom and you can shape it, which I feel, like I said, I feel silly that I didn't know you could do that, but you absolutely can. And so then you can turn that into like a little bauble that you would hang on your Christmas tree if it were Christmas tree or you'd like a garland around your house yeah. or on your door or whatever. Or just like a cute little something to give somebody. 
Um, people love tactile, tiny gifts. Yeah. I swear to God, the number one Valentine's Day um, Valentine I gave out were wool hearts. Mm. Cut out of just like 100% felt. wool felt. Yeah. And I put a safety pin through them and people still wear them and still mm-hmm. say, I still have that. All of my other pin ideas broke, fell apart, which is fine. I didn't expect them to live forever. But fiber arts, I feel like there is some tenderness to it. Like there's something about like a tactile thing that people really, it is a warm fuzzy. Literally. It is literally, (laughs) figuratively, literally. And for that, I do want to go back to an oldie, but a goodie. That was an idea of yours, which was your salt dough, um, sweethearts. They are compostable. They are cute. You don't have to make them into a pin if you don't want to. You could just like make your little, your little trinket to give somebody, and it's compostable. It's it's fine, right? And you could write funny messages on there if you happen to have letters for it. Like yes. I just used rubber stamps to do it, but you can oh, so cute. But people just love like seeing something that they know of Valentine. Like it's a visual cue of this is a Valentine's Day thing, mm-hmm. but. In a larger scale. It's or a token of it, affection. It is a token of affection, like my other sign. Oh, my gosh. It's very cute. Oh, thank you for picking that up. The salt yes. dough hearts were really cool. They were so good. They were so good. Um, okay, and that's a low-cost thing. So both of those things are not free, but they are very, very low-cost. And if you want to, you can go to you know a consignment shop or something like that and buy a sweater and unravel it and make your pom-pom from that because it'll still look like a pom-pom. Absolutely. So on the the one step up from that in terms of cost and effort, the thing that I am making this year, you're welcome in future Miranda who will receive this, (laughs) is I'm making um, hot chocolate bombs. Nice. Oh my God. I just bought Dutch cocoa to make my own hot chocolate because I was, oh, I love, oh my God. Sorry. Sorry, everybody. You forget. I forget sometimes that I'm recording this, and I, I just start making the the bird noises. Like, oh, man. <laughs> okay. Hot chocolate bombs. Tell me more. Yes. Yeah, so um, if you go online, you will find tutorials that say, like, oh, buy this silicone mold and all that type of stuff. And you can do that, right? Like the, the hot chocolate bombs that I'm going to make, I will make with a silicone, a silicone mold to make them round because I, I happen to have one. Like I have a friend who gave it to me and so I can do that. But I found a tutorial for making hot chocolate bombs with a muffin tin. So you don't need to, and a lot of people have muffin tins at their house Absolutely. already, right? And yeah. so who cares if the bomb is spherical? All you care about is that it is an enclosed piece of chocolate that melts when it hits the hot water or the hot milk and releases all the powder from the inside so you can do this with like uh basically any form of um meltable chocolate so like the the melts that you can buy at a grocery store or chocolate chips that you have around your house as long as you don't burn them when you melt them you know but there are a lot of tutorials for how to like melt chocolate without burning it basically tempering chocolate yeah or just watch the great british baking show and then laugh real hard, then Google it and then go, yes. for yourself. Yeah, because, like, they're professional. Not exactly. Not professionals. <laughs> so if you have a, um, a muffin tin, right, you can buy the little muffin 
papers, you put those in, you put your tempered chocolate in that, you take a, like a packet of Swiss Miss or whatever hot chocolate mix you have laying around your house or that you buy from the grocery store, you put that inside, you take a second one, pop that on the top of the first one and you seal it with more of that tempered chocolate and you've got a bomb. And you can put, and what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna put, um, <laughs> like sprinkles inside, you can put marshmallows inside, um, any sort of festive looking whatever you can put inside or outside because uh, Jaquetta actually sent me the kit and she has like candy googly eyes. Cute. That you can put on the outside. That's adorable. Love and it. all of that, it, ta- it does take a little bit of time, but not a huge amount of time and not a huge amount of money. It is more than the salt dough uh, conversation hearts or the pom-poms, but that's like your next level up um, in terms of finances. And you're giving this in February. So it's cold everywhere. Yes. And people will be wanting the hot chocolates. And I also think there's a little bit more, like people might not want to eat all the candy from Valentine's Day because there's a lot of candy out there. But I think hot chocolate is like a pinnacle dessert. Like people get real excited for that. It also is, I'm not sharing this with anybody. Like mm-hmm. it it's is for you and you're only giving, you. You're giving someone a t- an experience, mm-hmm. a time, you know, and it's not a, a job. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yep. I think that's an awesome idea. Very nice. Then my final idea, and this is the next level up idea. And this is a little, bo- a little bit more like the... Um, special thing that you would do if you have just a couple of valentines but at christmas and this is related back to all the things we talked about earlier at christmas i made a bunch of uh this pattern called the sophie scarf the sophie scarf is a paid pattern on ravelry it's not very much money it's in danish kroner so i don't know the exact dollar amount but it's a couple of dollars maybe four and the pattern is for a, a very elongated crescent scarf, but it's really small. Um, so it's easy to make in a very short period of time. So I'll show you the way that I would wear the Sophie scarf. It's like a little franche. Oh, it's jaunty. Yes. It is. It's jaunty. It's giving me um, cravat without the bulk. Um, but also, it's just like a nice little tuck. Like you can wear you can make a little bow. You can put it or just tie it and tuck it. But yep. it's not like a suffocating scarf. Exactly. So it's a very small little thing. You can definitely tie it in a little jaunty bow if you want. I made a ton of these at Christmas and gave them to uh, my college friends. Each of these scarves took probably three hours to make. And the scarf, um, you can style it as a head wrap, a purse scarf. I also told my friends, like, if you don't really love the one I made you, you can use it as a gift bow for someone else, right? You can receive it and give it away to somebody else. Um, But these have been very popular. And I remember the first time I saw the pattern for the Sophie Scarf, Sophie Scarf. it's by, uh, the designer is Petite Knit. Uh, I thought, how is that a thing? Like, it, it looks so simple. It looks so, like, 
not fancy, like why is this so popular? And then I realized that's exactly why it's so popular because it doesn't require you to be a crafter to appreciate it. And when I tell you universally, I made, I made 16 of these for the holidays. Wow. And I have gotten a lot of really positive feedback about them. This takes the Sophie scarf. I, I made the small size for everybody. I didn't make the large because I, the large is a two, wraps around your neck twice. And I thought most people are probably going to want um, something that they could wear in a wide variety of ways. And it's hard to wear something that wraps around your head twice. twice. Um, yeah. So the pattern takes one, it takes 50 grams, which is <laughs> half a skein. So you got two gifts in one's game. Yes. So that is actually also, I love that this is not requiring multiple skeins because I think that's where like, when you have that one orphan skein that you're just like, what am I gonna do with this? Cause I finished this project. It's not enough to do something bigger. This is like a perfect size. It's a use up project. It is, it, and like I said, uh, the first time I saw it, I was like, mm, I'm not gonna do that. It's so popular, but like why? And then I made one and I was like, oh, I get it. Because in not very much time, you have something that is quite beautiful. It takes advantage of something beautiful that you own that you don't know quite what you wanna do with. Um, the pattern is for DK weight yarn, which means if you have a very special skein of fingering weight yarn, you can hold it double, make the same thing. Um, so this is like the level more intense, right? You could, if you have 200 Valentines, you will not be making this. But yeah. if you have, if you have three or four Valentines, yeah. you can make this between when this episode goes live and when Valentine's Day happens, the Sophie scarf. I also, I want to give a shout out to the Sophie scarf because I struggle sometimes with, I don't want to carry a million things. And some of the scarves I own, I love them, but they're for like, I'm venturing out into the wild today. Like I'm going outside for hours. I want a big thick scarf. But if you're going back and forth between like a cold place and a warm place, like a store or a theater or your friend's house, like sometimes you just want a little scarf. You don't want the biggest scarf that it, you're not like, you know, you're not going to go skiing in it. So I personally feel like this little neck warmer or even wearing it as a hair tie, like it's very flexible and you can stuff it in things and not feel like you are, you know, sometimes when I stuff a scarf into my pocket at, in my coat or something when I'm putting it up at a restaurant, it's I'm just like, bulky. I, it's bulky and I pray I don't lose it. I hope it doesn't like fly out. Yeah. So I kind of, I love the, um, the functionality of this yeah. and the carry, the carrying ability. So that's a great idea. And it also, it's kind of gender, like, inclusive, depending oh, on, like, any, how someone wants to wear it. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Anybody could wear it. Um, there are a lot of pictures online of male-presenting people wearing it because so long as they are somebody who doesn't need, like, a really big, bulky something or other, like, it's just a little tie. And you, you could tie. just wear it untied altogether right and just like wrap it around the front and it's it's just exactly. a little something that's under your jacket collar that is a very i love something as simple as that is such a hit it would make sense sometimes sometimes the easiest things are the best things very nice you know i i hate to follow the crowd but sometimes the crowd is right you know 
my boyfriend Dave's like, basic bitch stuff is, it's good for a reason, because maybe it is nice. Like, you can make fun of it all you want, but actually, like, maybe because people like it, because it is good. Because it works. Um, And you're allowed to like it. There's no, like, reason not to. I'm not saying that scarf is a basic bitch as much as I'm just like, it is simple and straightforward, but that doesn't mean that people won't, won't like it because it's simple and straightforward. I think more reason to love it. Yeah. Says me trying to hold on to the things that she owns right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, we're definitely, we went on a long episode today, but um, I think it's time for gold stars, even though I feel like we had a lot of good things to share today. So um would you like to start with gold stars or would you like me to start with gold stars? Um, I'll start with my gold star. Um, it's not anything, you know, big, but my gold star is um, reading for 10 minutes every night before I go to bed. I over the, I am not proud of this. I'm just going to tell you the truth. I barely read any books last year. Barely read any books. Not that I read none. But like, I, I would try to sit down and read a book and I couldn't really get into it and Aww, whatever. I, I feel this. I feel this. You know, and I've actually talked, I remember talking with some science friends of mine um, that I spend so much time in the lab reading that I don't come home and want to read more. But then you realize that you have books that you want to read on your shelf, like you or your friends have told you like these are good books, you get gifts of books that you are very excited to read. And so I just had to kind of get myself back into it. And I remembered that uh, when I was in graduate school, ages ago, my roommate, Sarah, I was complaining to her at that time that I was not reading any books. And I was like, who have I fucking become? Like, I love books, why am I not reading them? And she's like, well, because you keep thinking about them as something that you have to like have a big chunk of dedicated time and you don't need that. If you read, like she's like, I read books and the way I do it is I read for 10 minutes every night before I go to bed and you will be shocked at what you can read in 10 minutes. And I did it I love that. back then and I was like, oh my gosh, I am finally getting the chance. It's, it's funny because like, it's like, oh, I'm finally getting the chance to do this. I had the chance to do it all the time but I was approaching it as if these books are big, I need to give them big time. I need to give them like, I need to dive in and be there for several hours like I used to be when I was younger and I would like have an afternoon that I spent reading a book. I also feel like the amount of time that I've actually been able to sit and read a book through an entire weekend, I like to think that this is like a glorious, amazing moment in time. It's happened like twice, maybe three times in my lifetime. Why am I like thinking that's the pinnacle experience or like, the only should, way, right? Like that other or the ways only way I'm to enjoy doing something. it are like yeah. somehow not indulging in it in the proper way. So, yeah, I went back to Sarah's old advice, and I am back to reading. You know, I don't time myself, but it's it's pretty rare that I don't have an evening where I recognize that it was going to be bedtime in thirty minutes which meant that I could read for 10 minutes, brush my teeth, wash my face, put my pajamas on, you know, and get ready for bed. Um, and I am back to reading. That is awesome. I am actually struggling with this um, because nothing like having a stack of books beside your bed that you're you like- don't read any of them. <laughs> I don't read any of them. Or like, for some reason, I 
will wait and wait and wait to, to go to bed because I want to make sure I've given myself enough time and then I'll read this book. And no, I'm exhausted by then. Like, I should just go to bed and enjoy my book in bed and then, or not even bed, just near there yeah. and go to sleep. Oh my God. That's a really simple and free gold star. I'm a fan. Um, well, my gold star is somewhat related and we didn't talk about this beforehand. So I'm laughing a little bit about this, but, um, as the new year started, um, not to say that the new year is like new for everybody. Cause a lot of people just have the same damn jobs, the same damn problems and are going about their day every single day, whether it's January 1st or not. So I don't want to be like, there's a whole lot of privilege when you're like, it's new year, new me. But, um, there's what I do want to say though, is that I have been struggling to get started mm. on a number of projects. And just like reading a book, I see these things as like my moment. This is what I'm here to enjoy. This is the thing that I am most concerned of. Um, like, I almost want to like tell people I can't hang out this weekend because this is the day that I am going to do the thing. And I was speaking or not speaking, but just messaging back and forth with some people in um, a Slack channel at work for neurodiverse people. And we were talking about how perfectionism gets in the way yes. of so many simple tasks. Like, and it's just the longer you wait to start, the larger and shittier it becomes. And like, just, it just, the anticipation is worse. Um, and someone said this to me and I haven't even read this book. So I can't even, I pray I'm not like mentioning someone who's like really problematic or anything. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it was around the, uh, the concept of shitty first drafts and this oh, is Anne um, Lamott Lamont. yep and her, her I book. share that essay with all of my students oh get out <laughs> so Anne Lamott I actually have a quote at the bottom of my work email from Annie Lamott wow because Annie Lamott is fucking amazing have you read the book bird by bird that's where this one comes from like shitty first draft she's like good writers they don't wait for their big novel. They they do a first one, a shitty one, and then a second one, and a third one. But, like, you can't get to the third. You can't get to the final point if you don't fucking start. Um, and the reason this had come up at work was that we were all due at our company to do our year-end reviews. And technically, year-end reviews really aren't used to to grade you. You think they are, but you've already been graded. <laughs> like the work you've done is the work, mm -hmm. but your in reviews are really retrospectives for you to see where you've been and where, you know, where, how far you've come. Right. And for some reason I can help anybody write their year in reviews. I can help anyone write a resume. I can do anything. But when it comes to me, I just become this swirl of ideas and a swirl of that's not good enough, or mm. this isn't worthy of talking about, or, you know, things like that. And a lot of people in this neurodiverse Slack channel at work were like, I can't start. I can't start. I have to wait until the last minute to get started because it's just, it's so overwhelming. And fun, a number of people are like, well, you can just do a shitty one. You don't have to submit it, but just try it and just see how far it goes. And it's the same for any task at work, for that email, for that um, conversation. <laughs> like it's just, I really hate that it took me this long to try that. So, um, but I'd love to hear what your quote from Annie Lamont is that you like on your email. Cause I'm just really glad that your email signature isn't, 
please think about the environment before you print this email. And once in a while, I still see one of those in the wild. I'm just blown away. <laughs> I'm like, this is a historically this it is, is. Like, an, this is an email from Abraham Lincoln. This is amazing. Like, <laughs> uh, did yeah. Al Gore write this? Oh my god. Um, so yeah, what was what was the quote? If you don't mind me asking, uh, the but. quote is, "Hope begins in the dark. You wait, you watch, you work, and you don't give up." Something like wow. that. Let me go back and look at my actual but, emails because it's. But I mean, but it's basically, it's about like that. perseverance and um, the reality yes. that there's a lot of hard things to do to get to the thing that you needed yep. or to the to for something to happen. Absolutely. Yeah, it's like you you wait, you watch, you work, and you don't give up. I. Some definitely witchy woo-woo thing on Instagram that finds me because surprise, surprise, that's what I do. Um, it said that basically, like, you can't always be grinding because even in the wintertime, there's a lot of magic happening underground when, mm -hmm. it, when you think about, like, plants getting germinated and, like, seeds um, getting through those processes of a, of a frost in order to bloom later. Like, there's a lot of things that happen in the dark that you got to go through, you know, in order to enjoy that sunlight or... But I feel like you're still looking up your email. Well, I'm trying to find the actual quote, but it's not going to happen. Uh, but anyway, that's the that's the general idea. Hope begins the in the dark. Yeah, I love that, and that's really 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 nice. So Annie Lamott is amazing, and that book, Bird by Bird, is it's fantastic. It's a book about writing, and it's everything about it is great. And the like I said, the essay, shitty first drafts. I give it to everybody in my lab because everybody is so fucking precious. Nobody wants to put out something that is subpar. They don't want to disappoint you because nobody's honest about what it took to get there. And Annie Lamott is like, everybody knows someone who does a perfect draft on the first try and that person doesn't have any friends and nobody likes her. Because <laughs> that's not what the rest of us experience. And it's just... Uh... If it's real, that's a fluke. It's very rare. And then on top of that, like, how does anyone get better without perspective or feedback, right? Like, how do you even live life without something challenging it? So, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I did not plan for ours to be kind of intertwined, but dang it, we're sisters. I um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I really like your 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 goal to read to di your your digesting. Reader's Digest, waka waka. Um, I'm kidding. Um, but you are really like making an effort to enjoy the book because that book is just going to sit there. It's not like a television show that's like limited time only. Like books are just waiting for you to enjoy them. That's the best part of their analog nature. Well, and I um, think a lot of it related to that perfectionism as I, idea is that somehow there is a right way to read this book and there's a, yes. a right way to appreciate it. And if you aren't doing it that way, you shouldn't bother. And that's exactly. ridiculous. I think very much the same way. That's why I was like, oh, thank you for this reminder because it, it does relate exactly back to the thing I've been trying to do better about, which is just starting. Start. So, um, well, we've talked quite a bit. Yes. But we love Valentine's Day. We love talking about it with other people. And we love just, I don't know, talking about crafts. Yeah. Um, so it's been lovely, and I'm sure we'll check in and have another show eventually. 
let's hope for a good holiday. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, and uh, thank you all for listening. If you want to, uh, you know, check in on how we're doing, we do intermittently keep up with our Instagram, which is Stitchcraft Sisters. Um, we do have a Ravelry group that I'm fairly certain nobody uses, also Stitchcraft Sisters. Um, yeah, and let us know what you guys are doing for Valentine's Day or Galentine's Day or anti-Valentine's Day, whatever. I love seeing what people do. I just, the creativity in something so small, again, not a big thing. It's a little thing. And I think that that's still important. So I can't wait to see what other people do. Sometimes the big things are disguised as little things. Surprise. <laughs> um, all right. Well, everyone have a good Valentine's Day. Give love to lots of people in all the ways you feel comfortable doing. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you.